It was like walking onto the set of a Dr. Seuss movie. We were inside the mind of Antonio Gaudi. You're listening to Travel FOMO, a podcast for people self-diagnosed with wanderlust. Thank you for listening to the Travel FOMO podcast. I am your co-host, Jamin Houghton, and with me is my wife and your other co-host, Hillary. Thank you. Thank you for coming, guys. <laughs> Anytime somebody tunes in, it is music to our ears. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are very grateful that you found us and that you are going to take the next step with us along our gap year adventure. We are in Mediterranean Europe and we are in Barcelona. Yes, a relatively new season for us too. We are yes. just kind of the third season, third episode into this season. So, yep, new uh, new steps, uh, less coats, more beaches yeah. for us uh, along this part. So we're excited for this part of the journey. This is our last stop in Spain, um, yeah. but we loved Spain. Big fans of Spain. Yeah. I had never been. You'd been to Barcelona. Mm -hmm. um, but we have gone to San Sebastian was our first stop, Valencia, and now we are in Barcelona and excited to tell you all about it. Yeah, I, honestly, this trip changed my view of Spain because I thought Spain was great. I thought it was good, mm -hmm. but I love it now. Like now I'm like, oh, I could live in Spain. Like I feel very attached to it. Um, compared to my first venture into Spain. So. Right. Well, and I feel like there's probably a lot of people in your same boat that have been to Barcelona. Yes. But haven't been anywhere else in Spain. Um, the same with France. I feel like a lot of Americans go to Paris mm -hmm. and don't necessarily go anywhere else in France. Yeah. And I would say, well, in England too. Like a lot of people go to London and nowhere True. else. And getting outside of those major cities, like definitely go see those major cities. They're absolutely great, but so different to be outside of them as well. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah, just amazing places. But Barcelona is the most touristy mm -hmm. of the places in Spain that we went. Um, we were coming from Valencia. It took us about five hours via train. Yeah. Uh, to get there. Barcelona is sort of this crazy city to me because it's so it's such a like a party city at night. Mm -hmm. I feel like the sun goes down and Barcelona like flips and becomes completely different than it was when you're walking around during the day. Yeah. You walk down the rumba during the day and you're going to the markets and seeing stuff in the Gothic Quarter and it's all this historic old sort of touristy stuff and then like sun goes down everybody comes out and goes crazy yeah yeah it uh it's kind of it's kind of nuts which yeah i guess in spain and all of spain everyone stayed up late and partied but yes. in barcelona they they get after it, it was it's, on another, it's level. another level yeah. at one point you even called it bipolar and i was like that's hilarious <laughs> i like i love that uh that term for it yeah well and it was it's pretty warm there because now it's truly summer well, it's yeah. more summer. Yeah, it uh, it was definitely getting warmer and warmer with with each day. Um, it was like early June. Yeah, yeah, and uh, getting getting kind of hot. Like walking around during the day, you definitely want to dress sensibly. Lots of cool architecture, but you definitely felt like a tourist. Yes, 
And, and because of that, there's a lot of people there to take advantage of the tourists. Um, some legally by charging a lot for (laughs) simple drinks and food and some illegally by like picking pockets and things like that. It's a big problem there. So if you are going to Barcelona, be aware of where your valuables are going to be and how you're going to secure them. Yes. Um, or you could be like me and actually get your credit card stolen in Barcelona. <laughs> so, yes. True story. Go back to the secret season and listen to our episode in Spain where my sister and I were there right after college and uh, got pickpocketed. <laughs> it was like the end of our trip. We were glad. I'm glad it was the end of the trip. Right. That was the saving grace. It does like make it sort of end on a bum 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 bum. I know. Yeah. <laughs> but but so much better than like day two getting your card stolen. Yeah. Well, and the thing about pickpocketing there and our tour guide, we had a tour guide here who really emphasized it immediately. It was like, hold on to your valuables, be careful, do these things, like was very alerted us to it all yes you know it was yeah. very serious about that mm-hmm. um but one of the things that i think contributes to all the pickpocketing is that like you said there's a lot of architecture there and that architecture is a reason for people to stand stare and pull out their phones and start taking pictures yeah and when you're doing that you become more vulnerable and people could bump into you and you're just taking staring at something or taking a picture and so you don't realize that when they just bumped into you they actually took your wallet or whatever right so. and well and it's so crowded too mm. that it is very common for like somebody to bump into you yeah whereas in a place like San Sebastian that doesn't really happen because there's far less people a lot more space it's everything's a little bit more casual as far as pace of pace of your day and and getting across streets and stuff like that barcelona is just so packed and such a big city yeah that it's easy to i would think for someone to grab something from you and then just disappear yeah, uh, yeah. into these massive crowds that are everywhere yeah it is really big too isn't yeah. it like you said like it's just really big I think I noticed that a lot more this time and it's so spread out and yet you could still be in the midst of it all and be way far away from something you want to see yes it's kind of crazy yeah it's definitely definitely a huge city that's really spread out yeah well in that first evening we like checked into our Airbnb and wanted to go like hit the town and stuff but our Airbnb was like not terribly conveniently located (laughs) yeah so everything we wanted to see was not really that close. Nope. And it was kind of a subpar Airbnb, guys. Yeah, it was a it was expensive, but not for Barcelona because mm-hmm. everything in Barcelona is pretty expensive. And so we probably should have made that one of the places that we went above our budget because it it just wasn't very conveniently located and it kind of was a beating for Not us. So it, it did have an air conditioner, that which was, was nice. yeah. good. Um, and honestly, like you give this hilarious tour of the Airbnb on our video on YouTube, and it cracks me up because we were laughing so hard. I think we were a little delirious. We were so tired at that point <laughs> that we were cracking up so much because we just felt like we'd like arrived to somebody's bachelor pad, and we were laughing because like the microwave and an oven were both just like 
sitting on the floor unplugged somewhere in the kitchen and it was just so random everything was weird it felt like somebody had just been living there and they just stepped out for a minute so that we could stay there like it felt very haphazardly done (laughs) and yeah and you were just so funny in that tour i feel like this guy opened up this airbnb and at some point someone was like hey man you really need like some way for somebody to cook something you need an oven in here and so he's like oh yeah i'll buy an oven set it on the floor in the kitchen <laughs> and like now it technically has an oven <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah it's just like that's not that's not really what we meant yeah well in the <laughs> air conditioner it was so nice to have an air conditioner because at that point we hadn't had one a lot but this one like they were really specific about the instructions and the guy was like so you need to and we didn't know this when we booked that airbnb this is not the kind of information they'd put on there but he's like so every couple hours or every like four hours i think he said yeah every four hours you need to um check the bowl outside um and make sure that the water this bowl sitting underneath the air conditioner it's going to fill up with water and as it does you need to be emptying it every four hours but i'm sorry but like i'm not waking up in the night to like empty this thing of water and it was really important to him because he has his um neighbors downstairs kept getting frustrated and i just wanted to be like could you just get a bigger bowl like could you get a bucket or something like this is ridiculous like and we're gonna be out on the town all day long Granted, I don't think we left the air conditioner on, but it's like, we're going to be outside all day long. We're not coming back here to check your bowl of water right. on the balcony. Yeah, that was one of those things. He's like, yeah, the bo- the bowl will fill up and it'll leak down and drop onto the lady below and she'll complain. And in my mind, I was like, mm, this seems like not my problem. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> like, this is not my problem. Yeah, I'm, I'm, gonna pay for this I'm problem. not going to be overly concerned about your bowl of water <laughs> that was not, so funny it's empty. yeah we will not be leaving the link to the airbnb in the show notes yeah you can <laughs> you can skip this one there's a lot that we stayed in that were really cool and you should go check out and if you're in the cities where we stayed we have a lot of good airbnb recommendations for you but not so much here this is not one of them yeah <laughs> but we wasted no time to go and see the city though we just kind of checked in and then yeah, well, it was another it was another stay where we were only there two nights, mm-hmm. and we knew that we had a lot of stuff that we wanted to do on our the next day, our full day, and so there were things that we absolutely had to do that day too. Uh, we went out to La Rumbla and um, saw it. It's one of the things that everybody recommends you do when you're in Barcelona. Yeah, we do too. It's this massive street with all these restaurants and shops and things and more than anything just a bunch of people. Uh, we went to Mercado de la Balacuera, I think is how it is said. Uh, we had some paella so we made up for our lost time in Valencia <laughs> and actually had some paella here. And it was uh, great. It was really good, yeah. Um and it's this uh, this particular place is just this huge outdoor market. All kinds of stuff, anything you can think of. We also had some sangria. We had a burrito that was really good. Yeah. Um, I like that's one of the foods that I'm like, man, if I could have that burrito right now, that that would be really? pretty great. Yeah, it yeah. was really good. But things were shutting down already. It was like I was surprised by that. Um, a lot of the places closed down. I guess around like mid afternoon because we were there between three and four. 
And I would say probably half of the market was already kind of shut down. Mm -hmm. But they do a lot of fresh fruit and things there. They also do uh, fruit juices there. Like you can get cups of fruit juice for like a euro. Tons of them. Yeah. All kind like stuff I've never even heard of before. And it's all right there available. So definitely go hit it up. Um, It's one of the things that everybody recommends that so many people recommended that you're kind of like, uh, I don't know if everybody recommends it. I don't know if I'm going to like it. Yeah. But this one, it paid off. Like you, you got to do it. So go check it out. Yeah. Well, and it's down by a lot of other stuff too. Yeah. So there's like the Gothic quarters mm-hmm. um, with some really great architecture. Um, we went into a church that was really cool and packed with people. It was almost like there was a service going on, but there wasn't. Right. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Um, and just tons of people in the pews and everything. I was like, what? Am I interrupting something? <laughs> um, and then we went to a park, Ciutadela uh, Park. Ciutadela Park. I think I'm saying that right. Um, and it has this fountain in it that was created by a famous, a fame, famous, a famous Spanish architect named Antonio Gandhi. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk a lot more about him um, as we uh, tell you more about our adventures here. But this dragon fountain was like so cool in this park. And like there was so much greenery, like it was so lush and green and it just felt Exotic. I think that's how you described that park. Mm -hmm. As you said, it was like so exotic and like just the birds you would see on the ground where in London, you might would see pigeons on the ground here. They're like these incredibly bright, colorful birds that are like green and yellow and all these colors that just are like kind of blow your mind that you're seeing like five of them peck at a old, you know, piece (laughs) of trash or something like it's so crazy um and i say piece of trash like barcelona was not like valencia and san sebastian and that it was clean it was not very clean uh yeah it was a little rougher a little more trash around things like that a little dirty um a lot of those big city problems definitely present there If you're listening to this, you like a good adventure. And if you like a good adventure, you might enjoy following the fights. It all started with Mars and Ashley's bold decision to travel full time in their converted Sprinter van. Fast forward six years or so, they've seen all 50 states and backpack countries like Thailand and Guatemala. It's been one daring decision after another, and now they're braving another big adventure, building a creative retreat in the Colorado Rockies. Find out what life is like when you take risk. Follow the fights on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. We did a little shopping while we were there too, and I got some earrings from a Spanish artist for my friend Casey, and I just love that. I thought that was really <laughs> cool. And then, what do we do? We went to the beach. Yeah, we had some gin and tonic. Yeah. And, well, I had gin and tonic. I think you had a beer. Yes. And sat, sat and looked at the beach. That was nice. Something about Barcelona makes me want to drink beer. Mm. Um, so, like, I think I just had a lot of beer when I was there the first time. And now I think of having beer (laughs) with tapas and stuff, but there's, it's, you know, there's so many good Spanish drinks. You wouldn't have to do beer, you know, but, um, that was, it was just fun to like look out of the beach and all the tons of activity going on on the beach. 
very lively. We made our way home that night and went to a flamenco bar, mm-hmm. which we wanted to see some flamenco dancing while we were there because flamenco dancing is really a big Spanish thing. But um, we didn't quite get to do that. We This flamenco bar was kind of as close as we got. Yeah. and um, But it was really fun because it was just us at the bar. And then like another crew of people that had all come for someone's birthday. Right. And that was it. Yeah. Like, and so we were watching them dance and celebrate this person. It was really fun. And, um, I think I ended up having a mojito, a mango mojito, because that was one of the recommendations, I think from the bartender. And, uh, it was just like a fun way to kick off our first night. Yeah. That, that was a really cool way to like end the, in the evening there in, in Barcelona. We got up the next morning went for a run um Mm -hmm. it was a shorter run it was only like four miles but it was uphill yeah i remember thinking like man is this ever gonna end because we just ran up and up and up and up and up this hill to the montague castle yeah um which ended up i was really glad that we went ahead and did it um it has this amazing view over the whole city and we went up and got up early and ran. And so we were up there as the sun's coming up over the city, beautiful views, an amazing castle. Yes. Yeah. Um, that, and we're basically like on a cliff overlooking the ocean. Yes. Crazy. Yeah. Like it, it was beautiful up there. We got to run completely all the way around the castle. It has castle walls and just this public path that goes around it. So we got to do that and um, you know and the thing that i want to make sure people know about that castle and that hill and everything is that you don't necessarily have to run it or walk it that's true there is a cable car <laughs> yeah. you can take yeah there is a cable car you can take um if you don't want to sweat as much as humanly possible yeah. trying to get up there yeah exactly um, but it did make for a nice uh, return run down uh, before we started off our day, there were two big things that day, but the first one was a walking tour. It was an architecture tour around uh, the famous architect Antonio Gatti. Yes. Yeah. What was the second? I'm trying to think. Uh, Casa Batio. Oh, yes. Uh, okay. So, we, But everything was Gaudi from this point yeah, on. Yeah. Yes. Everything was Gaudi related <laughs> that day. Yes. Uh, which I highly recommend. I... I kind of thought, man, we're kind of putting all of our eggs in the Gaudi basket, but um, it ended up being a really good call. Like it, it was a really fun day. Yeah. And definitely like something that a lot of people think of when they go to Barcelona. Yes. Um, which ironically, my sister and I had been to Barcelona and never even saw one Gaudi building. <laughs> I cannot believe that. I'm like, what? That's so crazy. But, you know, we hadn't done a lot of research and then my credit card got stolen and we had to also just shoot out of there like a bat out of hell when we find found out that the French trains were on strike and stuff. So it didn't quite go as planned, but, um, <laughs> but yes. So that was a big deal. I think for both of us mm-hmm. to be like really focus on Gaudi stuff while we were there. Yeah. So. Yeah. And we ended up book- booking a tour through guru walks. Um, our tour guide was Patrick. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was, uh, an Englishman, Mm -hmm. um, from, I think he said he grew up in London, but I may not have that hundred percent right, but, um, married, um, a woman from Barcelona and that's what brought him 
to Barcelona and now he does these walking tours. He was an amazing storyteller. Incredible. And so you can go on Guru Walk and find Patrick if you're wanting to take an architecture tour of Gaudi. It's a free walking tour. Which we know that free tours are the kind of tours that require you to tip, but you get to decide how much you're going to pay. So really, it's uh, you are free to decide how much you think it's worth. <laughs> yes. So. And the... We definitely recommend that type of tour. Um, we found them to be the best because people are trying to earn their trying to earn their money, and so they make the tours very interesting. And this one was no exception. He was a great storyteller. So Patrick took us on this walking tour along a lot of the Gaudi um, designed buildings. We got to see Casa Batio, Casa Mia. Uh, La Sagrada Familia, the church, which if you have seen pictures of Barcelona, you have probably seen pictures of that church. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. It's still under construction, ongoing. Gaudi's architecture was so interesting and so groundbreaking for the time because he used nature as inspiration. And with all the things that were going on at the time, it's sort of this break from traditional straight lace, straight lines and right angles to this more fluid movement, more nature inspired architecture and just crazy outside the box thinking in his designs that made it really cool. And Patrick walked us through all the intricacies of each one as we came to them. And I just thought it was so fascinating. There is so much to say about Gaudi. It is fascinating. I mean, I could not take notes fast enough while this guy was talking. Right. He was just, I mean, and he knew his stuff. It was incredible. Um, we really do recommend him. And uh, we gave him a great review on Google. Like we were really adamant about him being awesome. So Patrick on Guru Walks. Um, one of the things that he taught us was that when you look at all the different homes there in Barcelona, a lot of them have different, um, there's different things that are carved out of these homes, you know, so it, and it all has meaning. Yes. So if you see some berries, it could very well be that this was used to be the home of a family who had a winery. Yeah. And these are, this is like um, representing the vineyards that this family owned. Or there might be tobacco plants. And it's because that was the industry that they were in. I thought that was really interesting. And he gave you some great tips on how to look at the architecture and get something from it. Yes. Which was awesome. Yeah, it was so cool. All of the imagery and... Uh, you'll also see all throughout Barcelona dragons Yeah, in a, in a lot of the imagery, and especially in Gaudí's house. Uh, in particular, Casa Batio is designed, the outside is designed to look like a dragon, and it all relates to back to the story of St. George. Uh -huh. So it's a very famous story in this region that there was a dragon who lived next to this kingdom and the king was required to give the dragon one child every year for the dragon to eat. And um, so the, the king was doing this, but then um, the king decided he wasn't going to do it anymore. He, he wouldn't do it. And the dragon took the princess. And so now the dragon has the king's daughter, the princess. And so the king looks for someone to save his daughter from the dragon. And so that, savior ends up being saint george 
And he comes and he rides to face the dragon to save the princess. He kills the dragon with his spear and the, the legend of St. George is born. And so dragons have this symbolism all throughout Barcelona because of this very famous story. And, um, you just see it everywhere. And when you know the story and you see these dragons, you see the story being told out. And when you look at Casa Batio, you notice that the outside of the house looks like a dragon with a spear going through the dragon and so much imagery there that when you look at it, you're like, Oh, that's, that's a cool design or that's really pretty, but I don't really know much about it. But when you hear the story behind it, which is what Patrick gave us, it just sort of comes to life and you start to see it everywhere and just blew my mind really yeah. about all the, all the buildings that we saw in Barcelona. We actually ended our tour at La Sagrada Familia, which is that huge church, that unfinished church you were talking about. We did not go inside, though. Um, note to listener, it was 26 <laughs> euros per person was the cheapest ticket you could get. Yeah. Um, also, online reservations are really encouraged now because it is so... Um, popular and because of covid you know they started doing more time uh mm-hmm. selecting your own time and stuff like that but um all of the gaudi buildings were like surprisingly expensive yes especially having come from valencia and san sebastian where things were a lot more affordable um so i think that surprised us and it did kind of limit not that we had a ton of time but it did kind of limit our time our you know how we spent our time there um but the thing about la sagrada familia was it is just powerful like it is huge i've always thought it kind of looked like a sandcastle um, mm-hmm. Because it looks, because it does look unfinished, but it, but also it's not, it's kind of the style in which it was made. Yeah. I think it's easy to look at it and go, oh, like it's unfinished and it's, somebody's going to carve a lot more fancy things in it. That's not necessarily the case. It was designed in a very specific way to be unlike any other cathedral mm-hmm. or any other church. It's not a cathedral, right? No, it's, it's a not. church. Right. But it's massive. Like it is massive and really tall compared to all the other buildings in Barcelona. And um, like up on the hill that morning on a run, you could look out and see it and you're just like, I mean, it's so obvious. Yeah. You know, it's just like <laughs> this thing sticking up out of the sky. Yeah. But it was really, it, it was started in the 1880s and it's still happening, still being finished. And I think that's so interesting. It is very rare in this day and age for us to see something unfinished. Right. Because we are so used to things getting done and getting done quickly. And this is taking a lot of time and it's being done with all of the original, its original intent. And so it's taking forever. And uh, that's not normal for us. Yeah, it is. It is so strange to see something still under construction that was in large part designed by Antonio Gaudi, who died in 1926. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, his work is still being continued on and other architects are working on it as well. But just to have something with that longevity and that staying power in a building that, you know, once it is finished, 
will be around for hundreds of years. Yeah. And such a rare thing for buildings that are being built right now. Yeah, for sure. And that kind of wrapped up our tour um, yeah. because at that point that had been, it was like a two and a half hour tour, which was really just perfect for us because mm-hmm. that gave us some time to go to and spend some actual time touring at Gaudi building, which we chose Casa Batio. Yeah. So we, we went back uh, to Casa Batio and actually uh, went inside. Um, so we bought time entry tickets um, cause we knew when the tour would end and we'd ha- give ourselves time to, to come back. Uh, I think it was around 60 Euro for both of us. It was crazy. Yeah. It's like walking into a Dr. Seuss book. For sure. That is the only thing I can relate it to. And they, um, they say one of the things that you should look for when you're in there is to see if you see any right angles because there are very few, if any. Yeah. Everything is a curve and it's all made, you know, the, we talked about the outside is made to look like a dragon, but the inside is made to look and feel like the ocean. Mm -hmm. And so it's all these sort of flowing shapes and light that's coming in from all around and also through the middle. Like there's a big open air part that's in the middle that um lets light into all yeah it was like two almost like outdoor courtyards Mm -hmm. that were small but kind of created this like outer cylinders the outside cylinders that let in all that light yeah so light came in that way also airflow Mm -hmm. came in that way and they had designed these wooden shutters that You could open and close as you needed more or less air to come into the house. Um, I remember in particular, they had like a fireplace and it's close to the entry of the house. So you come in the house and you come up these stairs. And then before you go into the real entertaining room, they have this room and it has a fireplace in it. But the fireplace is inset and there's this little like bench on either side of the fireplace and it was meant for you to come in sit by the fire for a few minutes and warm up and then like come into the rest of the house and it just creates these feelings through the architecture and the flow of the house and and how it looked just like nothing you've ever experienced yeah it was like it evokes a lot of emotion kind of almost mm-hmm. because yeah. like you come in and you just and it was massive. I mean, what, four, five stories high? Yeah. Like really big. Surprisingly, it was like pretty functional. <laughs> like they made it, you know, while the outside was all colorful, the inside was more um wood tones and a mm-hmm. lot of tones that you could find yourself living in a house like that you know that's yeah. totally reasonable it did feel kind of like little caves and tunnels because it, everything was so curved there's so much curvature happening you kind of felt like you were in a cave but the lighting was really great so it yes. didn't feel claustrophobic at all no and they they had actually designed the windows that the higher up in the house you were, the smaller the windows were so that they would let in less light so that light was uniform throughout the house. 
I love that. Right? Isn't that just incredible? It's so smart. So much of it was so smart. Yeah, it really is. You really saw like the design elements are so much more than just, oh, this would look cool. Yeah. Or whatever. Like it, it's just so intentional. Every step, so intentional. Yeah. I was a little surprised. I, I thought that it would be like furnished. Mm-hmm. And so I expected to see a furnished house where you sort of walked along one edge of a room, but it wasn't that way. There's no yeah. furniture in it. It was That's completely right. empty. And so you could kind of walk throughout the whole space, mm-hmm. but you also had to, you had to listen to an audio guide to really understand like, okay, this is the dining room and, and so on and so forth. I was a little surprised by that. What, what was something that you didn't expect? Um, I didn't expect the patios like mm, in yeah. the center of it. I wasn't expecting that and I loved it. It felt like you could at any moment you might feel like you're outside, Yeah, which Spain is a great place to do that. Mm-hmm. And as you kind of come up the stairwell, you, you keep bouncing back and forth between these two patios. So the stairwell is open air, I guess you could say. And you're walking up these stairs and you look over one side and you look down and it's dark blue tones everywhere with big windows. And the higher you look up and as your gaze goes up, 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 and you start looking up above you, all the tones of that um, patio become a lot lighter until it's this really light blue and you're looking up and all of the windows at the very top are really tiny, letting in a little bit of light to keep that light balanced. And it is very much like looking in the ocean, you know, because you can see if you look down, you're looking into the depths of the ocean. And if you look up, you're looking up to where the sun is peeking through. It was just really well done. That made me feel like the little mermaid right there. I was like, wow, this is like, you know, it's like her little solo at the beginning of the movie. So cute. Uh, yeah. it. I I was surprised as well that there was a Cartier jewelry store in there. On one That's of the another good one. Yep. <laughs> it was just kind of bizarre. And then on the kind of after you finish the tour, you'd go all the way down to basically what was like the ground level of the basement and they had like an art display there where you you walked through these like chain mail rooms and and into a room that was screens all around and they projected light and images and so they kind of had an art display there too that's cool too um which was yeah was really interesting and and cool to see uh, I definitely recommend it. Um, mm-hmm. It made me want to go to all the other Gaudi sure. houses. Yeah. Uh, there's several that, that you can choose from. Um, we chose this one. And if we go back to Barcelona, I'll definitely want to see more. I'll, I'll see as many as I can see. Yeah. Because uh, it was just so cool. You know what it reminds me of? Totally different. But it reminds me of... Cirque du Soleil and every time we go to Vegas mm, yeah. we love to see a different Cirque du Soleil show yeah. and they're all so different and so creative that's what this reminds me of it's like the yes. Cirque du Soleil of Barcelona <laughs> right yeah it's so so far from what I think I would be able to imagine right 
that or a Ford. It just blows your mind. <laughs> yes, definitely a Ford. It's kind of crazy when you think about the amount of money these people must have had in order to be like, yeah, design me a home with no limit. <laughs> you right. know, basically. Well, and that's kind of one of the things too that we that on the architecture tour that he talked about that a lot of these people were basically just trying to one up their neighbors. Yes. And so they were getting these famous architects to like design ho- houses for them with the main goal being like make my house more bomb than my neighbors. Yeah, make it taller, <laughs> make it more of an eyesore almost, make it stand out in a way that like just distracts from everybody else's home. Yeah, I don't want I don't want anyone else on the street to be talking about anything except my house. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's so crazy. Oh, he did such a fabulous job. Patrick from Guru Walks. I love that. Um, we did. Okay. Let's see. What else did we do that day? We grabbed we had, some grub. Yeah, we had some food. Um, sangria. Some, yeah. I ate some fish eyeballs. <laughs> I got, I ordered some fish and they came out whole and, but they were little. Was it like sardines? They were sardines, yeah. Yeah, but they were pretty big. Yeah. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I can eat their eyeballs. And then I attempted at it and I was like, oh, no, that's not <laughs> happening. That's gross. <laughs> but um, I also went shopping because at this point I've been loving going into all of the H&M's in every different country and all of the styles are so different depending on where you are the things that they're selling and I end up getting this fabulous blue dress with all these ruffles and oh my goodness I love that dress and um it's at this point I really started to notice what women in Spain were wearing because I'm you know I'm looking to buy it and then I realized like oh they're not hardly wearing anything at all (laughs) like everyone's walking around in swimsuits in early june or like tube tops tons of midriff um and it didn't even matter your figure like everyone all shapes and sizes did not wear a lot of clothes yeah which i thought was really interesting and i opted not to buy (sighs) didn't feel that (laughs) confident about it but um it was just minimal minimalist clothing you could say yes so um that was like kind of interesting and then um but you know something about that is so refreshing because people did not care like there was just such a freedom such a like i feel beautiful this way so i'm wearing this and we don't really allow that for ourselves in America um, as much. And so I thought like, wow, that's like really cool that people just don't care. They're confident and they're okay with their body. And so I thought that was um, pretty cool. And then you bought something too. Yeah, I bought uh, a linen shirt. Um, I realized that my my wardrobe was a little too casual. Yes. And I, like I needed something a little bit nicer. I had a couple of nice shirts, but I was like, I I need to round out this wardrobe a little bit. So I bought a blue linen dress shirt, Yeah, which I ended up wearing a ton. A ton. It was great. And honestly, both of us dressed down. We packed a lot more casual than we wish we would have. Yeah. We both opted. We both said that. Um, And we had even packed. And then we watched, like, did some more research and realized, oh, my gosh, like, they are dressier in Europe. We need to dress up more. And we reevaluated everything and packed, you know, nicer things. 
And then even still, we felt like we like were way too casual. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we were so limited with what we could take True. because we were just doing backpacks and we, you know, we're having to do laundry as often as we could. And so everything had to be pretty versatile, but in that versatility, we lost a little, um, a little style here and there. So we had to, had to supplement. (laughs) (laughs) We also had to go to take care of some train business. Yes. More, more train reservations. So we loved the Eurail pass. Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely amazing way to see Europe. Do it by train. If you can at all do Europe by train, do it by train. Um, It drops you off in the city center right where you want to be. It makes it easy. And the Eurail Pass makes it really affordable and a great way to get around. But in France and in Spain, on certain trains to certain places, you have to have reservations. And those can only be made in the train station. Yeah. Of France or of Spain. Yeah, the country you're traveling in. Yeah, so that was a little frustrating. We had to spend part of our day going to the train station. We were like, hey, tomorrow we need to go to Cannes. And they're like, oh, there's no way for you to go to Cannes. No, you're not going to Cannes tomorrow. And (laughs) we were like, well, yeah, we, we are going to Cannes tomorrow. And we have the French part of our train. So we basically had to go to a location in France, just across the border. And then from there we had tickets reservations because we'd made them with the help of our friend in Lyon. Yes. Uh, We had made those reservations already. So we had those. And so we were like, we just need you to get us to this point. Yes. We have the French leg of the trip taken care of. We just need you to give us the Spanish portion of this train journey. Yeah. But even that was hard to get. We ended up having to take a really early train and we had to buy first class reservations, Mm -hmm. um, which they don't always check. So, we had to ask like, Hey, is there anything available first class? We'll pay the additional money. And that's how we were able to, to make it on a train, um, which ended up costing us extra, which we weren't really super pumped about, but, um, but we liked first class. First class was nice. <laughs> and it's I, pretty nice. did we get to sit together? Or did we have to sit? So I think we had to sit separate. It was that full. I don't remember. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it was it was another another train debacle for for us with getting reservations and but it all worked out. Yeah, it's we, just that it, reservation part that's like, uh, it's so annoying when the rest of Europe can be so convenient and you just yeah. hop on the train without a reservation, right? And because you've got your pass, and so well. I feel like in so many in so many places that especially with Europe. It, it can be frustrating because you go to a place like Italy and you're like, just have the trains be on time. Like all yeah. these other places do it so well, <laughs> like just That's have them be funny. on time. Yeah. And, um, in like in Spain and France, it's like, don't, don't beat me down with this reservation stuff or let me make reservations online. Yeah. Like I'll go online and make the reservation. Don't make me stand in the train station to do this. There's got like, I know there's another way because I've just left a country where I did it the other way. Yeah. Where it's possible. (laughs) But uh, we, 
we did it. We did it. It all worked out. We got our tickets in hand. We're able to rest a little easier. Yeah. And just enjoy the rest of our of our last evening in Barcelona. Yeah, which we ended up spending at Bar Obama, which is hilarious. Like the <laughs> name of it, you're like, what? Bar Obama? But um, it was recommended by our friends, Baron Catherine. Yeah. And um, I think I had nachos again. Some I think Spanish nachos. I think you did get some nachos. I just had a burger. Um, I was like ready for just something familiar after all the canned fish and everything that we've been eating. Yeah. I was like, yeah, just give me a cheeseburger. Yeah. And it was really good. Yeah, it was good. It was fun too. It was fun to go to a place that you know, somebody you know had been there. Yes. Something about that felt comforting. Mm -hmm. So it was like, oh, we love this recommendation and we love knowing that you were here. Right. Something about it. And we like sent them pictures, I think. We were like, hey, we made it to <laughs> Bar Obama. So funny. But after after Bar Obama, we just went back to our lovely Airbnb, emptied out the bowl for the air <laughs> conditioner <laughs> and went to sleep because we had to get up early and get on a train and yep. head to Cannes. Yes. We were back oh, into France. Cannes, France. Really well known for the Cannes Film Festival. Yes. Um, which we arrived right after it had ended, mm-hmm. which is kind of fun to kind of see the remnants of that. Yeah, and, and like just the beautiful French Riviera. Yes, I know, right? It was so cool to go to the French Riviera that you always hear about. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was beautiful. And I mean, obviously, it's pretty obvious why all these um, film festivals are happening on these like beautiful beach towns because they're beautiful and who wouldn't want to go there and like pose for the camera so but you guys you can find little video clips and different things like that of our adventures in barcelona and all these other places we've been talking about you can find them on social media we are out there on tiktok face face talk TikTok, TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram, and we put out little bits and pieces for you, but you can find full videos on our YouTube channel and all of that, all of that stuff, everything, everywhere you go to look for us, you can find us as Travel FOMO Podcast. That's always our handle. And uh, and we also have a new way for you to stay in contact with us. Yep, absolutely. We want you to connect with us those ways. But a new direct way that you can get in touch with us as a podcast listener is by becoming part of the podcast yourself. Yes. Now, I know your question. How am I going to do that? Well, let me tell you. Uh, you're going to take out your phone. You're going to record a voice memo of a observation you have about our podcast or uh, any words that you want to share. But even better yet... A travel story of your own, someplace you loved in Barcelona or someplace you loved in Europe or anywhere in the world that you want to share with everyone and email that voice memo to us at travelfomopodcast at gmail.com, travelfomopodcast at gmail.com. Send it to us there and we will play it in a future episode. Uh, We're always looking to share tips and tricks with everyone Uh, we love that people travel and we know that people do it in so many ways and know so much more than we do. So we want to share those pieces of advice, those funny stories, those crazy things that happen to you out on the road. We want to share them with everybody. And so just send us a voice memo 
through that email, travelfomopodcast at gmail.com, and we'll get it on the air. You can obviously just send us an email um, in traditional written email form if you'd like to do that. Uh, let us know anything that you want us to know. We're excited uh, to connect in this new way. Um, it's something that we're trying out, so help us make it successful. Yes, we would love that. So appreciated. And um, man, I'm like so looking forward to it. I like want to hear from other people because yeah. every time we stop and talk with friends or family and we talk about the podcast, people always have stories of their own that they start talking about. It's like, oh my gosh, I just want to like amplify your voice and get it out there to the rest of the world. And yeah. this is a cool way to get to do that. Um, because I feel like everybody on some level, most people love to travel. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody has something to share and the stuff that you have to share. Uh, a lot of people want to hear. That's right. And a lot of Absolutely. people want to know it, especially us. So exactly. Share away. Exactly. Okay, guys, go on your next adventure. Start planning, doing all those things that you're doing, looking forward to what you have ahead because life is so short. Wonder well.